I have the green light here on my whatever you call this. So, testing one, two. Okay, I think we're there. <coughs> it's good to be here with you today um, to fellowship. And somebody mentioned just to seeing your faces. I think, Burl, I agree with you as uh, just the fact that we can get together and we can see each other face to face and instead of texting or emailing and so on. This is the way it should be, that we spend time together often as we can face to face and fellowship together. <clears throat> I remember last Sunday Austin mentioned something at not sure how it's all going to come out as he speaks, and I feel the same this morning. Uh, and also, he mentioned just in passing that I picked up right away is that he, he said something to the effect that it seems like God is taking or stripping things away from him as he journeys along, and I know so well what that is, and, and I, I agree. I, I feel like it's happening to me as we journey on with Christ, and, and, and I'm one of the older ones here and you think the younger ones may you may feel like okay now he's probably uh, done with growing <laughs> and that is so not true and we all grow at different paces and I'm still maybe the one that grows the slowest and to get to to, to get it you know and, and it, it continues and I think it will as long as we are alive and on earth um and God continues to take things away from us that are not like him. It's just so many things that I am not like him. And he wants to take those away. And it's not like he comes with a demanding request that I have to give this up. It is a wooing that, to me at least, this is the way it happens. It feels like he's, he points to something in my life. And then I have a decision. I have a choice at that point if I want to let it go and surrender it or just not let it go. And so it's like the presence or as you walk closer and you become to know God more, it's just that, that feeling like, okay, I've got to let this go. This is not like him. And it's not always easy. Not at all. And today I want to talk about, I, I don't know, the last week or two, uh, uh, my mind has went to a, a scripture in Proverbs. I don't know if I ever have spoke out of the, the book of Proverbs, <clears throat> but it's in chapter 29. And uh, I was kind of looking forward to sharing this with you now. I'm not sure how it's going to go. But um, I title it Reaction to Radical Changes that we see in, in, our, uh, in our culture and in our uh, society today. There seems like there's been a death of an element of truth in culture today. And I think it seemed like probably since the beginning of time this has been happening. But it seems like it's beginning to steamroll. This death of, of truth as a whole. And then there's elements of truth that sometimes it seems like during the, the, uh, the COVID crisis that we had that it just seemed to just multiply so quickly and it's a truth that the element of truth that that I'm talking about is the truth that restrains okay now I want to read Proverbs 29 verse 18 
Where there is no divine vision, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who keeps the law. <clears throat> Lord, I'm thankful today for this, for this scripture, and not just for this one, but for the whole Bible, for everything that you have that is written is from your heart. I just thank you for that this morning. Just lead us today. Anoint your word and the hearers of this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Where there's no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law, happy is he. I believe that's the King James. But what it means, where there is no divine vision, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who keeps the law. What is divine vision? Who has the divine vision? And who are the people that he's talking about here? Are they pagans or believers who cast off the restraint? And what is that casting off restraint? Vladimir Lenin, a Russian, uh, I don't know if he was a philosopher or what he was, but he had this comment, this quote, it's been for centuries. There are decades when nothing happens. Then there are weeks when decades happen. And it seems like that's the way it's been the last maybe five years. It's just so many things have, have went south, as we say. <clears throat> Society has been unable to adjust to the changes taking place. And um, here's another quote that um, I heard. That which was unthinkable has become the unquestionable. I don't know if you can all see that. If you think about it, there's things that are happening in, uh, in our culture and in our society today that um, 30 years ago was unthinkable. And now it seems like, this is not to cry, and this is my eraser. I couldn't find one over there. Um, just this morning, Sarah let me see one of the little, like a little real thing about a man that was talking to his child. It didn't show the child, but he was explaining to his child that he's trans, what do you call it, gender now. And obviously he had a plumbing change because he said that to his child in another way. And, and it was just like he, he it was just not on, it's just, you don't question what I'm doing. And that's the way it seems like society is going, is those things that were unthinkable are now, you are not to question me. It's like an individualism that has kind of taken over and uh, we're just supposed to accept it. So how do we deal with this in our, in our culture today, in our society? Do we uh, confront somebody? And, and maybe we should sometimes. At least we should engage, which is, I'll t get to that a little bit, in, in conversation with people. But where there is no divine revelation or divine wisdom, it says that people cast off cons uh, restraints. <clears throat> Those people, are they, are they the ones that, like, are, is that us here? Or is it just the pagans and those who aren't believers? I think it's both. 
do we have an effect on society as believers? Yeah, I think we do. It, it's, there's something within a believer that we don't even have to confront somebody and just, like an evangelist does, just preach your heart out to them and tell them to repent or you're going to perish. There's something that we carry with ourselves as believers that speaks to society in general, the pagans. And I think the louder we do, or that's not the right word, the more we are that way, I think society in general restrains themselves. It has an effect on them that way. So aren't we doing it enough? Is there something that maybe we're missing that society is going the direction that it is going so fast? But, well, the Bible says in one place also that um, in the last days men will wax worse and worse. In other words, it's going to happen. I understand that. It's just the way humans are and the way, the way uh, we are bent as humans outside of Christ. Does the church have any answers? Yes. The further society or culture drifts from the truth, the greater our purpose becomes. Should the church have answers? Yes. The further culture drifts from truth, the greater our purpose becomes. Is there adjustments that the church should make? No. We should always base who we are on the spirit of Christ within us and his word. And I mean adjustments as far as we shouldn't become entertainers here so people will come, if you know what I mean. If there's adjustments that need to be made, it's something that I personally should understand or, or feel so that I can become more like Christ. Those adjustments, yes, we should make. That which was unthinkable, that was once unthinkable, is now unquestionable. It seems there's no shame. It seems there's no restraint. We are the salt of the earth. And if the salt loses its flavor or its savor, where is society and uh, our culture in general uh, going to be seasoned? People live together today like unmarried, and it seems like it, there's really no shame to it. But I, I just, I don't think of anything uh, specific, but I know just like 30, 30 years ago, people that would indulge in that in living together unmarried, they would keep it quiet. You wouldn't hardly know about it. You wouldn't hardly hear about it. I just remember what my parents used to say, you know, and... and were so surprised that somebody was doing this or that, and it, and it seemed like there was more restraint. At least the shame was enough that they didn't want just everybody to know it. Now, they don't care. One of the uh, upper management at uh, one of the trucking companies one day was telling me that he, uh, that was, this was about eight years ago, uh, I don't know how we got to talking about being married and so on. I think that he wanted to know if I was. And then he said that, I asked him if he was, and he said, no, we're just decided we're going to live together to see if it works. And I said, 
that doesn't make sense to me. Why would, you know, he, at that point, he just, I don't know, he, he's one of the jitterbugs, if you know what I mean. He just turned around and left. But it seemed to me like if, if I'm going to decide, okay, I want to try to be committed to another person uh, in, in uh, you know, living together, just something would come up and say, well, I'm just not going to do this because I don't have to. It just it doesn't make sense to me to try that kind of arrangement. Um, but today, the, it's just without shame, people do things. And where is it going to end? <clears throat> not going to get through this today. I've prepared so much, I was so excited about it. But uh, <laughs> we'll have to finish it some other day, maybe. <clears throat> I have an example that I would want to put on the board here of what I'm talking about as far as years ago when there seemed to be an outrage towards sin or at least shame. And I heard this uh, on a uh, podcast that I was listening to, and they were talking about how the, the disparity between what workers in general make annually and how much the CEOs make annually. Back in 1960, this, this, uh, this article that, they was, that was made aware of was like towards the end of, uh, like just at the beginning of the year 2000. So they had this example that they were telling me, and this is, I think, how I can do it. Um, I'll put over here, worker. That's the common factory worker, or you and I, as we work for somebody. And I'll put the year 1960, because this, this uh, article was about after World War II up to 1990, or, or 2000. And we'll put down CEO, and we'll do the same over here. <clears throat> now we're going to put 2000 here, and also... CEO is the corporate executive officer or the owners. Okay, in 1960, in that era of time, the worker could have made, we're just, the number here isn't exactly as important as, as I go along, I'll, I'll tell you what's the most important. The worker would have, uh, in the factory line uh, worker or construction worker, whatever it would be, would have been like 10,000 annually back in 1960. The CEOs back in there were owners or upper level management were approximately 50,000 a year annually. That is like five times, right? If I do the math right. Now, if we go over to the year 2000, they were saying that the worker would make approximately 40,000 a year, but the CEO, and that now at the year 2000, was likely to make 500 times as much, which makes it, let's do this here, 500 times would be 2 million, right? Something like that. <laughs> so what is, why is it now in our day right now so extremely higher for the CEOs and the owners? Back then they weren't. It was only five times as much. They figured out and they realized by, I don't know, interviews or something that back here, 
these CEOs and owners were afraid and restrained themselves because they feared the outcry and outrage of the workers. Over here, the outrage, outcry, completely gone. So they just run with it. There's no restraint anymore for them. They just go and do what they want to do. And this company, there was a company that they interviewed specifically um, who was making brags of how much money they gave to charities and so on and were thinking about giving their CEO a bonus. If I remember right, they said up, upwards of 10 million extra. Now, why did the restraint go away? What happened between here and there that they decided, do we as, as a church, that, that's just an example in business, but how about the sin that is prevalent around us? Do we just decide, okay, well, we just won't say anything because what if we hurt somebody? Or what if we get some backlash from uh, a company or another church that will make fun of us because we're taking a stand on something, which we are, and it's great. I mean, you can see we have a good group of believers here and leaders. I'm so amazed at all of you who, who and, and the men, all of you, even though you may not have a role as a deacon or whatever it is, you are always willing to help with a decision that comes up that we need your help. We have like top-tier people here. But do we sometimes let go of things because we think, eh, let's not be too harsh. And that's kind of a weakness that I have just because I'm the personality and the giftings that God has given me. I need those of you to balance what I don't have, if you understand what I mean. And you do so well with that. <clears throat> but... Where is this divine vision supposed to come from? <clears throat> Where and what is a divine vision? And does society cast off restraint because the church is not loud enough anymore? In Jeremiah... 6, verse 13 to 15, I want to read that, what Jeremiah was saying at that time to the priests and the prophets. For from the least to the greatest, all of them are greedy for gain. And from prophet, even to priest, everyone practices deceit. They healed the wound of my people superficially, saying, peace, peace, when there was no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No. They were not at all ashamed. They did not even know how to blush anymore. And it seems like there is a constant trend, what I call trend tsunamis. If you, if you think of the fashion industry and perhaps trends, not just fashion, but there are constant trend tsunamis from either coast with a desire to drown us into, the into a mold of shame. If you think about it, New York City on the East Coast and you think of L.A. on the West Coast, it seems like those are the places where a lot of liberal people live. And their ideas, they want to 
pushed to the mainland, into, and it seems like these two big old tsunamis are coming, and they're squashing us in the middle here in Midwest and people in between into their way of thinking. What are we going to do about that? Are we going to let it come? Well, in a way, you can let it come. We're just going to stand. And having done all to stand, stand therefore with your loins girt about with the truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And it seems like, it seems at times, I think I can just add this, well, we're done with this anyway. It seems like the world is going in circles. I want to put something on here that uh, you might be able to remember and take with you. At least I'm this way. When I see something in visual, I, I get it a little better. The world seems to be going in a circle, okay, with their trends and fashions. Can't even make a circle quite. And they're continuously going around and around. And the church, I feel, is this. The, the church is going straight. And at this point, we encounter some fashion or trend, and it, because the church is going this way constantly, and we're going this way, the churches, the believers are going that way. And by the time they come over here, it's either the same, it can be the same, but a lot of times now, as I'm talking about, it's just, it's just amped up like 100 times. There's a new fashion over here, but they keep going, and they're not getting anywhere. They're just going in circles, but we're going straight, supposed to be going straight. So we're going to, you know, encounter the world here and all its junk and stuff, and we're going to encounter it again. It's just a way, I don't know if that is a good way to describe that, but that came to my mind on how the world, we, we have to do with the world. It is all around us, society and culture. But how are we going to make it? How are we going to live that they feel like, okay, I better not do this because there's something going on in the cosmos because of the believers that are here in the world? Let's never lose that salt. My dad was never big on, when we restarted the, the concrete business in 1978, and as we got into concrete and in the business world, versus farming, we had farmed all the, all the way up to then, we would get letters and notifications that there's a concrete convention that we can go to. And there was one coming up in Atlanta, and us boys, we wanted to go. You know, this is, you know, we've made it now, we're getting invited to these places, and Dad was never excited about that. He went one time that I remember, and he said, I have nothing to do with that. He said, I don't need to go there. There was something about my dad, and, and I'm sure that you have dads the same way. There's something inside that influences me, that influenced you, and that in should, it should influence society and cultures that I, I'm different. And my dad didn't walk around, and we shouldn't either as superior because of that. It's just who we are because of the salt, that salt that's in us needs to stay salty and become more salty so it has this effect on the society that they will restrain themselves and each of us as well. I can't do that. Even though there's things that perhaps aren't sinful in themselves, we just don't do it. 
because we just don't need to do it. We can do without. <clears throat> what then shall we do? There's a couple different things that we can do. I'll just run through them. I'd like to finish this some other time, probably. Um, but the question is, what then shall we do? How do we keep the salt salty? <laughs> How do we keep that with, that's in us? And, and it's more than just morality. It's something that's higher than morality. It's something that, you know, we can, like the scripture says, if we keep the law, yeah, we're happy. But what we're talking about here, this divine vision and things that help people to, to keep, to restrain themselves is more than just not breaking the speed limit. There's a level that God has placed us, has placed within us, I feel. That is more than just morality. I don't know how else to say it. There's more there, but I, I just, I don't know. We could insulate our, or we can isolate ourselves as COVID did. We can isolate ourselves, which means we can just be alone. We can be apart from others. And it creates this blockage between us if we isolate ourselves. Some people want to do that. There's prisoners that I had talked to years ago. He just wanted to get out of prison and go on an island and be all alone forever. <laughs> How boring. That's one way we can do. We can decide, okay, we're just going to isolate ourselves. We're just going to alienate ourselves like the Amish do. And a lot of our past and our, our, our uh, backgrounds and so on is that there's such an alienation from everybody that you just become an island. We can insulate ourselves. In other words, we can make things happen to ourselves or as a group as to insulate ourselves from loss or from either from the, from the inside out or from the outside in. And we can ensure. Those are the three eyes that I want to share with you. We can isolate ourselves. We can insulate ourselves. We can ensure that nothing bad happens to us. We can arrange against misfortune. In other words, we can hedge ourselves together and just be us. Oh, just a nice little family. But what about rubbing shoulders with the world and having that salt to where they feel restrained from sinning and from just letting loose and being unrestrained in every area of their lives? I haven't even gotten to what a divine vision is. Um, <laughs> the opposite of those that I would like to share these three things yeah, with you, and then we'll finish it some other time. But we can isolate, we can insulate ourselves, we can ensure that we have everything that we, can, that we need and just be a family or, a, uh, or even individually. Have you heard of uh, My Patriot Supply? Uh, they have little kits, little boxes of food that you can buy that'll last for 30 days. They have enough that, you know, they, you can buy kits that are big that'll last six months or whatever. In case of things that may happen to America, you can huddle down in your house in the basement and you'll have food. Now, I don't think that's wrong. We need to be good stewards of our time and our money. But there's something that doesn't ring right about that for me personally it's my opinion that I, I just don't know I just never felt good about that doing that there's things we need to do to prepare that's obviously God gives us that those uh, 
directives, I guess. But this whole idea of isolating is not from God, I don't think. The other, other thing that we can do is we can engage. There's three E's. I had given you the three I's of isolate, insulate, and insure. Now there's three E's. The first one is three E's. The first one is engage. You get involved with society and you ask questions. You talk about life. You talk about things that have their interest. And, you, you, and it leads to sharing salt. If nothing else, it's your demeanor or how you react to different things. They see it. And they would want it. You can engage. You can encourage. Encourage in each other. Give support. You stimulate. You talk about life with the brotherhood. And you can endeavor to make an effort. You talk about life with anybody and everybody. And just let it affect. Let God do the affecting to the people that you are with. If it's our brotherhood here or if it's somebody in Utica or wherever you meet. Be the salt We will continue there with um, looking at a little bit of the meanings of divine vision and who the people are, if it's pagans or if it's just believers, which I've already felt like I've shared with you how I feel. I think it's both in casting off restraint. And we could end this, but I have a lot of notes. Is it okay just to stop here? <laughs> God bless you for, for being here and... Uh, I just, I just want to thank you again. I mentioned a little bit about, it, about uh, you as top-tier people. It's, it's what you are. You are more powerful than you know. Use it wisely. Just so amazing. God bless you. <laughs> I don't want to just uh, flatter you. That's not my intent. Oh, we'll have Austin. You want to close? <clears throat>